super stoked and blessed to be here. And uh, when Jason kind of came up and asked me to teach, I was like, what? But uh, here I am. Glad to be here. Uh, I have to say it's genuinely awesome to be with people who love Jesus. And uh, I can tell you do. And uh, I love this church. And um, everyone here has always supported me so many years. And um, just ever since I was a little kid. I mean, some of you guys were my Sunday school teachers, and I thank you for that. So um, I appreciate you guys letting me be here and uh, teach you. So um, I don't have a ton of time, so I'm just going to pray and jump right into it. Dear Lord, I thank you so much that we can be here, Lord, to put your word at the forefront of our minds and our hearts. I thank you, God, that your word is truth, your word is power. And so I pray tonight, God, that, that I would decrease and you would increase, Lord. And I pray that nothing said here, nothing taken home would be anything of my opinion or philosophy or anything like that, Lord. But I pray that your word would stand alone and it would speak to us, Lord. And I pray that you'd give me clear direction and words to speak to these people here tonight. We love you, Jesus, in your name, amen. 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 All right, take out my notes. Should have done that back there. Mental note for next time. All right, so tonight, Ten Commandments. This is the ninth one. It is don't lie. And I think that's a pretty straightforward one that we have known since we were young. I think there are lots of different kinds of lies. I think there are big ones and there are small ones, usually referred to as white lies. So I did some research on lies, and I found a really big one. There was this guy named Todd D. Blavelt, and he told a very big lie. This guy was 18 years old, had a girlfriend, wanted to impress her. Makes sense. We've all been there. I've been there. I wanted to impress my wife when I proposed to her. I hope I did. Um, I looked this guy up. Basically, he wants to impress his girlfriend, and so he tells her, hey, why don't you and your family come spend a week with me at my ridiculously huge mansion? But there was a problem. He didn't have a ridiculously huge mansion. So he decided he was going to break into a ridiculously huge mansion. It was a vacation rental. So he finds it. He breaks into it. He lets the family in. They're like, this is amazing. How'd you get this? Oh, I inherited it from my grandfather. Isn't it amazing? Yes, it is. This is great. And they're fighting over which room the mom and dad get to stay in and the brothers and sisters, the whole family's there. Well, it only lasted an hour before the real owner showed up and said, what is this? And called the cops, called the men, arrested the guy. Not the best lie. Big one. Now, we've got little ones. I think for me, one of the best lies, maybe you have had this lie come out of your deceptive little five-year-old mouth before, but for me, it was always, I'm sick. I can't go to school today. Because you, when you're a kid, you, there's, a, there's a progression. You realize you get sick, and the natural progression is you get to stay home from school. And that's amazing. And so it starts out natural. You're sick and you stay home from school and, you know, it's good. But then you're not sick. Maybe you have a tummy ache and maybe you have a headache, but 
as a kid, you get deceptive. I definitely didn't. I was like, I can milk this for all it's worth to the point where I don't have to go to school and I can stay in bed and I can watch cartoons. And that's really what life is all about, right? That's, that's how I felt. So my parents caught on. My parents told me, you can't lie anymore, Aaron. And they said, you know what? When you lie, your ears wiggle. And we know And the crazy thing is, I just found out like a week ago, that's not true. They've been lying to me this whole time. That was also a lie. There's just lies everywhere tonight. Um, Now, parents, parents think they can get away with lies. If you're, raise your hand if you're a parent, if you've ever told your kids something that wasn't 100% totally true, right? Okay, cool. I'm not a parent, but I I, I remember what that was like. I, I found some interesting ones. Uh, let's, let's look at them. So this girl said, uh, I need to walk over here so I can read it. Um, my mom said that if I didn't sleep by 10 PM, God would abduct me and carry me to the moon. I believed her for longer than I cared to admit. Here's another one. I like this one. My mom told me that there was a little man who lived in the fridge that would turn the light on for you. I believed her and I was terrified of that little man. Here's another one. My dad told me that guacamole was chopped up lizards. Now I can only eat guacamole if I have prepared myself or have seen others prepare. This one's sad. That, that, that one lonely tear down the cheek is awesome. My parents told me about Santa and how he'll eat me for Christmas if I wasn't a good kid. Um, let's see. When the ice cream truck plays music, it means they're out of ice cream. Some cheap parents. Some very cheap parents. This is, my, this is my personal favorite. If you don't finish your dinner, Buzz Lightyear will die. And then, I mean, we've all been lied to. We're lied to every day. Advertising, product advertising, they lie to us. They tell us some of the worst lies. Here's a big filthy lie right here. Artisan Tostitos. What is that? Like an artisan, like when I think of artisan, I think of like this like bearded, like grizzly man, like working with wood for like ages. Like I just don't see that guy like working for ages over these, uh, these artisan Doritos. It says artisan, just so we're all clear, I got this from articles, defined as a person or company that makes a high quality distinctive product in small quantities, usually by hand and using traditional methods. And it's like, mm, I can just smell those traditional methods right from the bag. It's amazing. Don't lie. We're lied to all the time. In the Bible, it tells us clearly not to lie. Check it out. It says in Proverbs 6, 19, or Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. So lying is listed in there. It's one of the first ones, a lying tongue. And lying is something that we start out as a kid and we do a lot. You know, I'm sick. I don't want to go to school. Um, We 
lie to get our brothers and sisters in trouble. We lie to get out of trouble. That's one of the biggest reasons we lie is because we made a mistake. We want to cover it up. We want to make ourselves look better. And I think, you know, there's some of these common workplace lies that maybe you've dealt with. Maybe you've heard someone lie this way to you, or maybe you've lied this way yourself or myself. We might say, sorry, I'm late. My alarm clock didn't go off. But the truth is really, I stayed up really late, didn't get enough sleep, should have went to bed earlier, slept through my alarm. But we twist the truth just a little bit to make ourselves seem a little bit better. Or maybe, hey, I, uh, I didn't get your email. Are you sure you sent it to the right address? But the truth is, we got the email and we just ignored it. Or, yeah, I feel comfortable taking on that project. Give it to me. But really, the truth is, I have no idea what to do with that. I just want to look good in this meeting. Or, I can't come in today. I'm sick. That's the little kid thing all over again. It goes back to the childhood. Or maybe it's, you know, hey, uh, that, that thing you asked me to do, boss, it's, it's almost done. I just need a little bit more time to get this done. But in truth, you haven't even started yet. Right? I think we've all been there. Lying seems to be a way of life for many people. We lie at the drop of a hat. The book, The Day Americans Told the Truth, said that 91% of those surveyed lie routinely about matters they consider trivial, and 36% lie about important matters. 86 lie regularly to parents, 75% to friends, 73 to siblings, and 69% to spouses. But we see it's wrong. The Bible says so. Now, you might think, that's not enough. The Bible says so. I want some concrete reasoning as to why I shouldn't lie. Well, I think one of the first things that comes to mind is when you lie, you betray your nature. It goes against who God has created you to be. In Colossians 3, 9 through 10, it says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now see, God, he designed us to be created in his image. And we know that God is truth. In God, there's nothing false. He's 100% true all the time. He's never deceptive. He's never manipulative. He is completely 100% true. And when he created you, he had a desire for you to be like him. And sin, of course, obviously gets in the way of that. But when we have Jesus Christ in our lives, we are put into this new system and this new self where we are becoming more like Jesus every single day. And so when we lie, we're going against what God's ultimate goal for us is to be. He wants us to be truthful people. I found this quote on lies that I really like. It says, a lie has no legs. It requires other lies to support it. Tell one lie and you are forced to tell others to back it up. Stretching the truth won't make it last any longer. Those who think it permissible to tell white lies soon grow colorblind. I think it's a great quote. It's saying when you give in to the temptation to lie, when you give in to the desire to go against the truth, and remember what Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
when you go against the truth, you're becoming colorblind. You're thinking it's just a white lie. It's not a dark lie. It's not a bad lie. But really, your moral compass becomes more and more dim and more and more You become colorblind. You can't see the difference between a white lie and a big colorful lie. You can't tell. When I think about lies, I think it's important to consider what is the source of lies. Where do they come from? See, I'm a big, giant nerd, and I enjoy a good origin story. And it's weird. I've always enjoyed more than the hero's origin story, it's always been the villains I've been fascinated with. I love Batman. I'm a junior high pastor. It's okay. I can still read Batman comic books. It's like part of my job description. Um, As long as there's kids there, then it's not weird. Um, Anyway, though. (laughs) I love it, though. Like, I love the Joker. He's like the main villain in Batman. And I'm I'm weird because I know the Joker has like 20 different origin stories. Some guys just have one. The Joker has like a billion. So an origin story. I'm about to tell you an origin story. I get really, really passionate about this. And I love it. I love looking at, we're here on earth. There's a reason. We were put here. Why? What's the purpose? There's a a war going on constantly. The battle between good and evil. How did that start? I love that. And so I want to look at that. We're going to look at the source of lies. In John 8, 44, Jesus gets into a fight with some Pharisees, and he says to him, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he speaks lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. I, I love this. I love this, this origin of Satan. It's saying, you're wondering, this is the origin of lies. Where did they come from? Deception, untruth. It comes from Satan. Literally, he's the father of lies. He gave birth to lies. Now think about it. Think about, think about the picture in your mind, okay? God, he's perfect. He's truth. Everything about him is light, no darkness, honesty, truth, no lies, and he is 100, completely 100% love. Everything he is, his complete desire is to love you. And it's not because he needs you. He, doesn't, he wasn't sitting in heaven going, I'm lonely. He said, no, I want people to love. I desire to show my love to someone. And so I'm going to do that, not because I need to, but because I really, really want to, because I'm love. And so God creates human beings with the desire of loving them. And he, he, I mean, this is, don't, like, this is, this is speculation, okay? This is like, like, we're going to put like an illustrative storytelling spin on this, okay? Because the Bible only gives us so much, you know, narrative, storytelling, so I just want you to imagine with me, God's in heaven and he's with the angels, right? And he's got Gabriel and he's got uh, Michael and he's got Lucifer, who's a good guy at this point. And he brings them together and the angels, and he says, angels, I've got this amazing plan. You guys know how I'm love? Yeah, yeah, we know you're love. You're awesome. Yes, this is good. Yes, I am love. Now check this out. 
I've got this plan. I'm going to make these humans, and I'm going to love them, and they're going to be the object of my love. I've got a plan for them, and I've got, I'm going to make this earth for them, and they're going to actually rule over it in the same way that I rule over heaven. They're going to be made in my image with their own realm to rule over, and I'm going to love them and care for them and have a relationship with them, and it's going to be amazing. And it's, the angels are stoked. Like, this is great. What a magnificent plan, God. But then Lucifer, Satan, the deceiver, the enemy, he, pride, wells up in his heart. And he, and he looks, and I believe this is where, this is, this is nowhere anywhere. I'm just, this is just me thinking. I believe that possibly this is where the first lie was ever formed. It was the lie he told himself, which was, I can do better than that. I can do better than that. that. That whole God thing, I could do that job. Who needs God? I could be a God. I could be better. I could be faster. I could be stronger. I could be more powerful. He's in the way. I've got to get him out of the picture. I don't know how he thought he was going to do that. But so he, he deceives one-third of the angels. We know that. He says to one-third of the angels, Come with me. We're going to start a revolution. We're going to fight against God. And God says, I'm not having any of this. You are the enemy. How dare you deceive all these angels? I'm casting you out of heaven. And they end up on earth. And Satan says, you know what? I'm just going to keep telling lies. And it's the same lie over and over again. We see it in Genesis 3, 4. He says to the woman, Eve, one of God's first creations, one of the first objects of his unconditional love, he says, you will not surely die. The woman says, wait, God said, I'm not supposed to eat this fruit. And Satan says, did God really say that? I mean, really? Eat this and you too can be just like a God. You too can be a God. All you have to do is go against what he said and make your own path. And you can be better you can be more powerful. You don't need him. Make your own way and you'll be strong. You'll be powerful. You'll be confident. You'll be like me. And it's the lie he's always been telling. See, Satan is a counterfeiter. He's a bootlegger. He is no good. See, God, God makes quality product. He, the things he makes are amazing. Love, fellowship, marriage, friendship. And Satan, what he does is he takes everything God does, everything he makes, and he perverts it, and he twists it, and he counterfeits it. And it's a cheap knockoff. But here, this is, I'm going to get junior high on you. I'm going to use a junior high illustration. You guys are like, this guy's a junior high ambassador. He's too serious. What's wrong with him? I'm going to tell you a a junior high analogy. I, use, I do very simple, like ridiculous analogies for junior high because I love them and I'm, I'm crazy. Um, here's my analogy. Okay. Satan's like the guy who brings out a really nice cake. And it's just, it's nice. It's like one of those multi-layered cakes with like the funfetti frosting with like the dots in it and just sprinkles and sparkler like sparkler candles, and it's just, it looks amazing. It's like, this is the greatest cake ever. But really, he's poisoned it on the inside. And it's a slow-acting poison. And if you keep eating the cake, it will continue to eat you alive. But it looks so good. And Satan will dress it up in a way to make it look even more attractive 
than the goodness God is serving. He'll, he'll dress it up and make it look amazing, but really it's poison and it will kill you. And that's all he wants. It's just a simple thing. He just wants to destroy you because you are God's beloved. And he looks at you and he says, I can't have what you have. I tried to overthrow God. That didn't work. I know I'm going down. I'm going to take you down with me because I hate you because I hate God and I hate his children and you're his children. So I hate you. And so I must destroy you because I am the enemy. I am the deceiver. That is what Satan says. That's his whole plan. He is the father of lies. And so when we lie, we might think it's just a little white liar. It's a little tiny lie, but really we're speaking. Go back. Let's go back to the verse. Um, I'm pressing the wrong thing, the wrong Apple device. There we go. When he speaks, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. He speaks the, it's his native language. And so when we're lying, we're actually speaking the tongues of demons is what we're doing. And it's so, it's so easy and it's so simple to do. But I, this is, this is a, this is a big, this is a big argument in my mind why as Christians, we should really strive for truth. We should really strive in our daily relationships with our spouses, with our employees, with our employers, with our friends, with our family, with the government. I think we should strive for honesty and for truth, even if it makes us look bad, even if it doesn't present us in the most attractive light. I think we need to be honest because when we don't, we're speaking the tongues of Satan and that's no good, right? Yeah. All right. In Exodus 20:16, we we hear the the verse and Jason gave this to me, the ninth commandment, and he said it is called do not lie. And then I looked it up and it even goes even further to say you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And I think this is one that I personally you know I'm very it's a, very, it's a very touchy subject, you know? I think we all feel that way because who, who here hasn't had a time where someone said something about them or behind their back? You see, I, I work in the seedy underbelly of something called youth ministry. Junior high ministry, it's like a criminal organization. It's like the mafia, literally. They'll come in my office like... Did you hear what she said? Oh my goodness, Pastor Aaron. And then, you know, I'll investigate. And it's like, oh my gosh, she said that about me. Well, you should hear what she's doing. It's just like, it's this crazy thing. I'm making it sound like it's only the girls. The guys have their own problems. But junior high girls, oh my goodness, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, it's not, I'm realizing it's not just, it starts at a young age. And I say this, you know, I felt this way. I've I've been uh, helping out with youth ministry for like, six or something years, you know, volunteering, helping out. And, um, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, uh, me and uh, Pastor Trevor would used to comment back and forth to one another was, you know, it seems like every year when we get a new grade of sixth graders, it's just like gossip central for them. It's weird. And then seventh grade, they get better. Eighth grade, they grow out of it. But there's just something like coming out of elementary. I think it's just being on the playground all the time. And there's just that playground gossip. And it's just like, it's nasty. It's terrible. And we pray for them and we help them through it. But I, you know, I see the same thing in adults, and I see the same thing in my life. 
In Ephesians 4, 29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. I think this is important. I think we're living in a time, and I'm not saying it wasn't like this in the past, but I notice it. It's so easy to talk about other people, you know? Because all of our information is out there, right? Facebook, I mean, everyone knows what everyone's doing. And it's so easy for us to judge people. It's so easy for us to look at someone else and go, oh man, I'm so excited I saw what they did because now I get to talk about it. And there's a reason. The reason is there's a natural high that comes out of gossip. What you're doing is you're pushing someone down and you're stepping on your head and it makes you feel higher. You're elevating yourself and you're saying, yes, I am making you lesser and me better. And people gather around you to hear the tale of what did they do? Oh my goodness. I mean, I see it in junior high and I see it in adults' lives. It's, there's just something, there's just something like we just, we get such pleasure out of standing around the water cooler and just that water cooler gossip, you know, or whatever it is at your office or in your home, whether it's a family member, whether it's a you know, relative, whether it's, that's the same thing as a family member, um, whether it's a family member, a relative, um, a fellow employee, or someone else in the church, someone in ministry with you. It's so easy for us to judge, you know, a, a, a speaker. And I don't have to worry because I'm only going to do this probably once. You know, I don't have to, I have to worry. Um, but, you know, I've heard, you know, people talk about speakers or worship leaders. Did you hear the way they played that chord? <laughs> You know, it's, oh man, um, you know, and I, and it's so, it's, but you know, it's so easy. It's so ridiculously easy. And I've seen it in my own life. You know, I'll, I'll hear someone say something and my ears kind of perk up and it's like, oh, what's going on? You know? And sometimes we can even write it off like, well, I just want to hear what they're going through so I can pray for them. You know, and we, we just, I just want to know their dirt so I can just, you know, pray. But honestly, there's some things that we don't need to know. And we can go sniffing around and trying to find out people's sin or just judging people, not even by sin, but just on personality. Sometimes we, we have our own personality quirks with people and we use it as a platform to speak about them in a way that, here's the thing, if, if okay, I can, I'm just going to use like an example. Like I can, uh, if someone comes up to me and if I don't know Noah very well and they say something derogative about Noah, immediately in my mind, I start to form a negative opinion of him. And I haven't even spent any time with him. And that happens so much. There's been people where I've had this really negative viewpoint of them. And then I meet them and I sit down and I have a cup of coffee with them. I'm like, this person's amazing. But because I've heard so many people speak negatively about them, my, my vision of them is it's, it's messed up. And we can do that. We can do that so much. And I don't, I don't think we should. The thought that we may ourselves be one day under the window should make us careful when we are throwing out dirty water, says Charles Spurgeon. It's saying, do unto others as you would want them to do to you. Because you know 
the person that gossips to you about someone, you know that they've got to be gossiping about you too. If they're a gossip, if they're coming to you and they want to share these things with you about other people, you know that they're going to someone else and talking about you. And I want to challenge us. And reading this, I mean, I was convicted. I want to challenge myself. Let's be people who are the opposite of that. We want to stand for truth. And some people might think, oh, well, I stand for truth. I point out the flaws in everyone because it's the truth, right? <laughs> You're in sin. It's the truth. Listen, everyone, look at them. And, you know, we can, it, I don't, I think we need to go back. What does the Bible say? What, what's the truth of the word of God? The truth of the word of God is that God is the judge, and we are not to judge people. Now, that does not mean if there's a close friend, someone in your life, someone on the ministry team with you, and they're in sin and you're your friend, then you, yes, you have a duty to go to them one-on-one and talk to them and say, hey, this is on my heart. I really feel like you shouldn't be doing this. I'm saying this because I love you. Can we pray about this right now? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, I mean, let's, let's pray. Let's try to figure this out. You know, and this, let the Spirit of God move. But what you don't do is you, get, you don't get together with the rest of the team or the rest of the office and say, hey, you hear what this guy is doing. You hear what that girl is doing. You don't, you shouldn't do that. But it's so easy. Our, our society, we're just, we're, we're plagued with gossip. In Luke 6, 42, Jesus says, how can you say to your brother, let me take a speck out of your eye when you yourself have a plank in your own eye? And it's so true. Because for every one problem we pick out of someone, we've got like 10 problems of our own. But we don't see those problems because we're so constantly looking at other people's problems. And I've been there. I've been in that situation where I've been sitting there thinking about someone else. Oh my gosh, how can they do that? How can they do this? How can they do that? And God speaks to me. He's like, why aren't you thinking about your problems? And I'll start thinking like, oh, I do this and that and that and that. I'm a terrible person. And God says, yes, you are, but that's why I love you. Or not why, (laughs) but I love you anyway. God's not like, oh man, my favorite type of people are the worst kinds. Um, I don't know. Anyway, consider this. Martin Luther was quoted saying, thoughts are like birds. I can't keep them from flying overhead, but I can stop them from building a nest in my hair. And what I mean by that is you might not be able to keep the, the scuttlebutt from flying around you. You might not be able to be able to keep the, the gossip and the words, the people around you. You might be in an office where it happens all the time. And people might say things about someone, but you don't have to let those thoughts dwell in your head. I encourage you, be optimistic about people. Think the best about people. Don't always consider the worst, but instead, think the best. When someone brings up something negative about someone in a way that's just gossipy, start thinking about, what do I know about this person that's good? And then bring that to the table and say, well, hey, guys, I mean, this person's great. Have you considered the way they love people? Have you seen the way they pray for others? Have you seen their heart for the lost? But it's so much easier. I hear so much more people talking negative things about people on a daily basis than I do people saying, hey, gather around. Let's talk about how awesome this person is. We don't see that as much. I want to close up by talking about the power of truth. 
In John 8, 31, 32, it says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We're talking about lying, we're talking about dishonesty and slander, right? It's all, it's all false. It's all against the truth of who God is. Either it's a lie and God is about honesty and he's about transparency and he's about truth and the, he says the truth will set you free. And how many times have you been in a situation where you've been in a lie for weeks or months or years and finally you confess and it hurts and it's painful but it sets you free and you get accountability. That's amazing. That's what God wants. But so often we hold on to our lies because we're so afraid that if someone found out, they'd think the worst of us. When in reality, the truth is that all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's the truth of the Bible. The truth of the Bible is if you confess your sins to one another, First, if you, conf- if you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you. And if you confess your sins to one another, the truth is they will hold you accountable and they will keep you strong. The truth sets you free. And slander, even if it may be something true, that is not setting anyone free. That's putting people in bondage. It is. It's putting people under the shackles of judgment and pain. You can ruin someone's life by the things you say about them. I would challenge all of us, myself included, let's think before we speak. I think there's power in truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus answered and said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Psalm 86, 11, the psalmist says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I think we need to ask God, show me what truth is on a daily basis. We live in a world these days where no one knows what truth means. What is absolute truth? But as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as disciples, we know what the truth is. It's the word of God. It's who he is. It's found in the very person of God. God is love and God is truth. And when you combine those two things together, you can literally change your world around you through the power of God's love and God's truth. God says through his word that we should walk in his truth. I'm going to close with two verses, and then we'll call the band up if they want to start heading back up. In Philippians 2, 3, it says, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. This is a great verse because it's saying if, if, we, if we abide by this, it'll change everything about the way we deal with honesty. Because if, you, if you're in a situation where you're thinking about yourself, you're thinking, you know what, I'm in a situation, I look bad, I have an opportunity to smooth the truth over, and it won't hurt anybody, and I'll make myself look better than I actually am. And what's the harm in that? We're thinking of ourselves. But if we esteem others as better than ourselves, we say, you know what? My boss deserves the truth. My wife deserves the truth. My son or my daughter deserves the truth. My friend deserves the truth. And if we do that, if we esteem others better than ourselves, 
that builds bridges to peace in your relationship and in your lives and with your friends. Lying, sweeping things under the rug, telling people what they want to hear instead of coming at them with the truth of what the word says when they have sin in their life, it's lying only brings darkness. Lying is one of, think, go back to the beginning. Satan, the father of lies, he's the prince of darkness. He's bringing darkness to the earth. He is yelling at you and your friends and your children every single day his lies. Every single day. He is telling you to believe the opposite of what God wants you to believe. And it's so easy because it's everywhere, literally. It's in the media. It's in the billboards, it's in the hearts of the people around you, the darkness, and it's, it's spreading. And if we want to bring light into the darkness, then we need to bring truth into the darkness. And whatever that means for you in your situation, tell the truth. Be honest. And I, I really believe this. I think the first place we need to be, remember, I think Satan's first lie was to himself. And I think when we're going to start being honest, I think we need to start by being honest with ourselves. And what I mean by that is take a long, hard look at yourself and don't just ignore your sin. Don't just think about other people's sin or just read your devotional, but actually think, search my heart, oh God. What is in me that's darkness? How can I get rid of it? Am I a gossiper? Do I slander other people? Maybe I do and I just don't notice. But do I? Lord, do I, am, I, am I an angry person? Am I a deceptive person? Am I whatever it is, fill in the blank. This is something that I've struggled with to actually really sit down and think, okay, who am I? Like if, if Jesus wasn't in the picture, who would I be? That's a scary thought. But we need to do it. We need to look at ourselves and be honest with who we are. We're sinners, So many times we want to feel good about ourselves and we want to feel positive about ourselves. But really, we're sinners. But here's the truth and here's the amazing thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the truth. The truth is that while we were still sinners, Christ laid down his life for us. That's the truth and it's amazing. Last verse. If, if the band, if you guys want to come out here, uh, will I read this? Start playing. In Romans 12, 10, it said, love one another with brotherly affection. I like that verse, Trevor. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. I love that. Because so many times we're trying to outdo one another with how great we are. Or who has the most dirt on this person or that person? We're trying to outdo one another. Who has the best story on that guy and the best? Who who knows the dirt? But this verse challenges us. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. I challenge you. Be the person in your workplace who is outdoing everyone on how good you talk about everyone else. Be the, you know, your boss may be a jerk, but be the person in your workplace who outdoes everyone on talking about the positive side of your boss. Be the person in your friends 
and your family, and where you just, you outdo everyone by showing brotherly affection. You're the first person to want to serve others. You're the first person to want to love others. I think it's a great, it's a great challenge, and it's a great verse. So I think they're going to bring out a mat. I think that's what happens. And I think, and they put it here, and that's cool. Because what that is, it's a place for you to come, and it's a place for you to pray. And it's a place for you to get down here and get on your knees and talk to the Lord. And, you know, I think some of you might be struggling with lies that Satan is telling you because he's the father of lies. He might be telling you you're not good enough. He might be telling you you're too much of a sinner to really be on fire for Jesus. He might be telling you all the negative things he said tonight, you're that person, you're the gossiper, you're the horrible person and you know it, and maybe you feel guilty. And maybe you're listening to Satan's lies right now. He's saying, why are you even here? You should just go home and just sin. But I want you to think about the truth. Think about how much God loves you. Think about what he's calling you to be. He's calling you to be his disciple. He's calling you to be his friend. He's calling you to be his child. I challenge you, live life in light of the truth. Let it shine into the darkness in your life. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with others. Live by the truth. And if you need to come here right now and stand here and be open and honest with God about something, I I encourage you, do that. The truth will set you free. So I'm going to pray and then we'll worship. Dear Lord, thank you for these people. Thank you for these worship leaders. Thank you for this church. I pray, Lord, that we would live in the light of your truth. I pray we would not be slaves to darkness or slaves to lies, but that you would set us free. Help us, Lord, to walk in your truth. Help us to love others. Help us to speak highly of others. Help us to not put each other down to make ourselves feel better, but help us, Lord, to just be so eager to bless others and speak encouraging words to them and praise them publicly. I pray, Jesus, that we would reflect you in everything we do. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen.